Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show to ease your expat overwhelm and be inspired by other newcomers' stories. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow expats and share their unique challenges, triumphs and revelations as they build their new lives here. It's great to have you. In the spirit of the US Election Day, this week's episode I chat with Malena Ray Johnson, a speaker, writer and comedian who grew up in St. Thomas in the US Virgin Islands, then spent 19 years living in Los Angeles, California, and then most recently packed up and moved to Ontario, Canada in search of a better quality of life as a Black American woman. So many people, when we first got here, wanted to uh, wanted to share their um, thoughts about Trump. And I'm like, I, I have so much other things that I can bring to the table, especially my love of TV shows. Why don't we talk about that? No, let me talk about your electoral process. I'm like, oh, no. could we talk about the Canadian electoral process <laughs> and who I should be looking for? No, I don't know about those. I don't know who my MP is. Like, all right. In this episode, we chat about all things networking. Ugh, if, like me, this word gives you the ick, this is the episode for you. Together, we run through how to make the most of this recent shift to online networking, how to leverage the different social media platforms, and start building a strong community to advance the goals that are important to you. Whether it's making more friends or finding your next big career break, Milena makes it all sound possible, whether you're introverted, extroverted, or somewhere in between. Let's start the show. Hello, Melena Ray from the USA. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in for a chat today. How was your week so far? My week has been fine. Busy. <laughs> Great. So where am I talking to you from today? Are you guys, uh, you're downtown Toronto, right? Oh, uh, we live outside of Toronto and it's, um, it's, our, our area is pretty nice. It's definitely a change from Los Angeles, um, where we lived in central Los Angeles. So it was very busy where all the cars and all the action is happening with people going up the hill and going down to the <laughs> tent. So here um, in Canada in general, it's been a lot less stressful, even though people insist that downtown Toronto is so busy. And I'm like, yeah, a little, but at least there's turn signals. <laughs> Compared to LA, for sure. So yeah, what was it like living there long term? Did you see famous people every day? Is it is it everything that you imagine it to be to live in LA? Lots of movie sets and glamour. Uh, for me, it was I moved there when I went to film school at Loyola Marymount University. So I lived there for 19 years before we moved to Canada. And I was in the entertainment industry since I went to film school and then I went to business school at USC. Um, being on movie sets and TV sets wasn't really as huge of a deal for people who aren't in the industry. There were celebrities that I encountered, um, but it wasn't such a big deal because I'm more into more specific celebrities that other people don't necessarily know. <laughs> Not like, oh my gosh, it's Brad Pitt. Oh my gosh, it's Adam Sandler. It's, oh my gosh, it's this comedian that 
I saw their special once, and then I got to be in their show. <laughs> That's so great, though, because then you know, if you fangirl over those people, it'll actually mean something to them, and they'll you know it'll make their day as opposed to just like Brad Pitt, who gets millions of people every day, just <laughs> mm-hmm. like whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's chat through a little bit about all the countries that you've lived in. So you were born in Arkansas, mm-hmm. so you're born down south in the states, and then you moved to the U.S. Virgin Islands. Yes. Um, so how old were you when you made? that move uh four so my mother's family's from there and uh we moved back and i grew up there from four to 17 so it was for me it was just like oh this is what we're doing for other people not as familiar with the u.s virgin islands it's it was always surprising to me in the mainland united states people not always familiar with uh the Caribbean in general, but the fact that there are other places outside of the 48 contiguous states that are (laughs) part of the United States, including Alaska and Hawaii, but there's also Guam and American Samoa and a couple other territories. Mm -hmm. So you kind of overlooked a little bit, but you have the best best place out of all of them arguably because yeah you're you're talking what turquoise waters white sand sailboats on the horizon yes i mean that that was the definite cool part about it it was uh the challenge came with global warming when uh when i was eight when we had my first hurricane and then we didn't have any more for a while and then when i was 13 we had two uh, one that was devastating. And then they've just been increasing since uh, the 90s. So oh, wow. it's not as peaceful as it once was. Oh, my goodness. What an intense thing to grow up with. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. How frequent did you have scares and warnings and things? I guess it depends on the hurricane season, right? How long does, does that last? Um, it's from June to November. So it's six months out of the year. Mm-hmm. And um, before... So to be a bit more on high alert. Yes. So from June through the beginning of August, usually there isn't that much activity. But this year um, is the first year that the Atlantic Ocean has had enough hurricanes or tropical storms or systems to be named that they ran out of names and now are in the Greek alphabet. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, that's concerning. I had yes. an environmental scientist on. Um, yeah, it was really interesting to talk to him about it, too. And he was saying that he was looking to be an environmental scientist and use his PhD in the States. But then obviously, the current administration didn't take it as seriously. So then he had to come to Canada where, you know, he, he could do the work. So yeah, it's it's interesting. It's definitely getting worse. And hopefully more and more uh, leaders take it seriously now. Um, we've got to act quick. It does seem like more uh, leaders outside of the United States are taking mm-hmm. the issue seriously. So hopefully someone is doing something. Yes, you would hope. Yes. And we can do our small things every day and, and try and make a difference as well. What's the food like there? I'm guessing there's a lot of seafood and is there a lot of Caribbean influence, you know, rice and peas and things like that? Well, yes, there. Are, so all the Korean islands do share a similar culture, even though for the most part, they are all separate countries. Mm-hmm. So there is uh, I grew up eating a lot of fish that my grandmother cooked, uh, whether I <laughs> like the fish or not. I, I didn't like salt fish as much. I didn't like fungi. I liked the okra that she made. Uh, and there are some other things that I 
either grew into or grew out of. There's items like Johnny Cakes that I had included in my wedding because I liked them. Mm. Uh, there, Then there's a huge American influence, um, specifically in St. Thomas and the rest of the Virgin Islands, but throughout the Caribbean of just American food. So you have your McDonald's on the corner or? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, I grew up with McDonald's about a block or two away from me. There's other fast food chains. I don't know if there's a Starbucks yet because it's, it's really hot. So you don't really need hot coffee. Uh, but there are a lot of, um, other American influences in food and culture, uh, that I grew up with in St. Mm. Thomas. Amazing. And of course, everyone speaks English there, I'm assuming. And is it is it the same English as is spoken in mainland states or has it adapted a little bit? I know there's some French Creole influence and then obviously you're near to a lot of Spanish speaking countries. So I'm just wondering, is it a bit of a mishmash or is it is it pretty standard American accent? English. Well, it is uh, like the rest of the United States. Each state and each region of the state has their own culture. So the official language, well, I don't know the official language, but most people speak English, but there are people from all over the world in St. Thomas who speak their own various languages, including Spanish, uh, mainly um, with the influence of people from the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, as well as other places in um and the Middle East and um, throughout Asia. Mm-hmm. That's great. It has its own unique identity, like like the other states. That's great. And then, yeah, to have all the different cultures come together, like a nice hot pot. That's awesome. <laughs> nice hot pot. Yeah, <laughs> that's my way to put it. It's a hot pot. And it's definitely hot, right? So, yeah, that works. Um, so what was it like growing up there and just having these beautiful beaches to hang out on whenever you wanted? Did you spend a lot of time by the ocean hanging out with friends at beach parties? Or was it part of the culture? I ask because I lived on the south coast of England for five, six years. And it was a beautiful beachfront. Um, the stereotypes of England are not true, people. There's sand and there's beaches and it's beautiful. Not as nice as St. Thomas, I'm 1000% certain. But, but still, I sometimes forgot that it was there, you know, it kind of fades into the background, you see the same, you know, it's every single day that you're kind of seeing there. So was that the case for you? Did you make the most of it every chance you got? Or did you kind of take it for granted? I would say I I didn't make the most of it. No, It was very much like a fish swimming in water. It's not something you really think about until you're not in it anymore. Yes. So as a contrast, I lived in Los Angeles, which uh, where I lived for the most part was, let's say, 10 miles at most away from the nearest beach. And I didn't go to the beach because they weren't as nice as the ones in St. Thomas, but also there was so much other stuff to do. Mm. So uh, many of the parties that I went to were at the beach. I took swimming lessons for years. I went to summer camps that took beach trips. So it's definitely an integral part of the culture. Um, it's not the only part. Mm. So, okay, so you're in Canada now, so you moved to Toronto. Um, What do you miss most about the States since moving to Canada? I miss uh, specifically the frozen food selection at Ralph's. Uh, because very specific. Uh, well, yes, there there are things that I would insist to my spouse to go get, and he would say these uh, do not exist at the <laughs> Longos or the Walmart. And I would say go look again, and there just isn't as much selection of specifically frozen vegetables as oh. there are in places in Los Angeles that are not food deserts. So there there are just 
aisles that are like frozen vegetables and it's a long aisle and there are different brands and different types. All these different vegetables that you could think of were frozen and you just put it in the microwave and you take it out and you eat it. And here it's like, well, we might have those vegetables, but they are fresh. So you need to figure out how to cook them yourself. (laughs) So has that been a full journey then since you came here? I guess um, one of the biggest struggles to kind of adapt to to the food. And you mentioned before uh, the call that you were getting sick when you first got here because your bodies were adapting to it. Tell us about, about that. Yes. So that was less of a food thing. So, I mean, we were at the time we were still, it was, we moved here in July of 2018. We had to figure out where we were going to live. And I was going to Seneca college and we needed to find some place that was near there. So when we finally found our place, it was fine. And then the change in um, environment got us ill. So we, we had strep throat and pneumonia and I said that it was due to the cleaner air and less preservatives in the food. <laughs> so now our bodies have adjusted better. I mean, we also haven't gone out that much this year, but um, and we did get sick again last year. But um, for the most part, we have done much better and we have adjusted the types of vegetables that we are eating. Yeah, that preservative come down maybe had a b- b- bit of a part to it. <laughs> I definitely struggled when I first moved here. I had really, really, really dry skin all of a sudden because everything's so dry here. Um, And obviously coming from England, it's so damp and there's a lot of moisture in the air. So coming here, it was the complete opposite. And my skin was so dry. So that was definitely something I I struggled with. You don't even think about those those small changes to your body that you have to to deal with. I did think about it when my skin started peeling off in winter, our first winter here. And it was, it started, it shedded from my hands. Oh my God. And my classmates are looking at me going, what's happening to you? (laughs) Just shedding like a snake. And none of my other family members had that problem, just me. Yeah, and me. So there you go. So when did you first start to consider living abroad? So you were living in LA for, what did you say? Sorry, 18 years, 17 years? Uh, Well, uh, I lived there a total of 19 years. And we started our search in 2015 um, when I read about other Black American women who had moved away from the United States into different countries around the world and were having a better time Mm. and felt like their quality of life was better. So I said, hey, maybe I should check that out. And I told my husband to do research and he did. And we looked at uh, other places, including the Bahamas and Bermuda, uh, because I'd already lived in uh, the Caribbean. Then we looked at Hawaii and the cost of living there was higher than it was in Los Angeles and the opportunities for jobs were lower. So then we looked at Canada and saw all the benefits, including the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. A big difference. Yeah. Yes, that, that was a big <laughs> difference. But it also seemed like like there wasn't the same sort of educational struggle that is going on, particularly in Los Angeles, but in the United States in general. And we said, okay, we're, we'll do that eventually. So uh, then after the 2016 election happened, the next day, I said that I wanted to do this now. And my husband James said, okay. And so that is what we were focused on for the next two years, trying to get permanent residency and figuring out how we could move. And then after three failed attempts at permanent residency from Los Angeles, I applied to grad 
graduate school and Seneca accepted me. And so that was that May. And we decided, okay, we're going to move. And we moved that July of 2018. Mm. So you went the student route. That's interesting because you always think that there's such a, a great agreement between the States and Canada. You assume that US citizens maybe have a, an easier go of it, but um, clearly not with your three failed PR attempts. That's crazy. Yes, that is true. So even though we had a lot going for us, there are, there are points on the system and there are different aspects of each of our parts of the application that were not high enough to get all the points. Mm-hmm. So what we did worked out. Mm-hmm. I went to Seneca and James got a job here. And then we became permanent residents in January of this year. And did you have kids at the time of moving here or are they relatively new? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we plan to adopt more children um, we are in that process as well. Oh, so that amazing. will take likely another two years at least. Uh, and will you look to adopt in Canada or internationally? Oh, yes, domestically. Yeah. Uh, we don't have any international plans as of yet. Amazing. That's such an incredible thing to do. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to quickly interrupt and say a huge thank you. We've just hit a major milestone in show downloads and it means so much that you're listening and enjoying what we're making. That said, I would love for you to please reach out to us on Instagram at expatexpo, that's X-P-A-T-X-P-O, and let us know that you're one of our loyal listeners. We're a really small team and your message will make our entire week, (laughs) seriously. So if you could please do that, that would be amazing. Thank you in advance and let's get back to the show. Your life in Canada then. So you've arrived, your first impressions were a little rocky. What's your um, biggest win, do you think, as a newcomer that you've that you've achieved? Well, we are feeling healthier now. So the overall experience that we have had with all the challenges of getting here, we're healthier and we are happier and we are less stressed out. Mm-hmm. And that was the goal, right? So you've, uh, you feel like you've achieved the goal of, of leaving the States and then finding a happier, more stable life? Uh, yes. So I tell people, especially Canadians who ask, is that it is better here. There are things that are better mm-hmm. than our previous uh, life. There, there are things here that are not good and there are huge flaws and there are things that need to be seriously addressed that are similar to what is happening in the States, but also different at the same time. Mm-hmm. The thing that surprised me the most is the focus on the United States that I was like, I'm coming to Canada and it's going to be, it's going to be Canada all the time. <laughs> and we're just going to talk about Canadian things mm. and, uh, so many people when we first got here wanted to uh, wanted to share their um, their thoughts about Trump, and I'm like, I don't, I, I have so much other things that I can bring to the table, especially my love of TV shows. Why don't we talk about that? No, let me talk about your electoral process. I'm like, oh no, could we talk about the Canadian electoral process and who I should be looking for? No, I don't know oh, about those. God. So yeah, everyone kind of focuses on on your nationality and then they, they want to offload on you almost. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I guess they figure now's the time for me to share my opinions. Yeah. Trump is like your brother, obviously, and you know, they're taking it very <laughs> sensitively that he's, he's directly like connected to you. Personally, I do not. <laughs> I am I am two degrees away from Stephen Miller, but that's it. Okay, well, we'll talk to you about Stephen Miller then. <laughs> 
Okay, well, let's jump right into your topic of expertise. So you are a professional speaker that's sharing your knowledge on networking in your pajamas, which I absolutely love the name. I think that's totally down my street. I'd love to be able to network in my pajamas. Is that because of this pandemic this year that you can do it virtually and you can be in your pajamas behind the camera? Or tell us a little bit about the name. Uh, the name came last year when I was trying to figure out what to talk about on a consistent basis on my Instagram. So I have a weekly Instagram series that is me talking to my my followers for a minute or less. So right now I'm focused on how to network in your pajamas as I uh, have been an expert on networking since I went to business school at the University of Southern California. Mm. Uh, I graduated in 2010 and a lot of the focus of the business program there is on community as well as career and classroom. So I came here and in my program at Seneca, I was in the social media program, um, almost all of us were people who had immigrated from other countries. A lot of finding the next position or finding the next opportunity or finding the next business is about the people in your network, not so much about knowing skills. And there wasn't a lot of emphasis on building us as a community or or building a new community as a newcomer in in Canada. Many of us had just gotten there a few months ago and didn't know anybody. And that wasn't being emphasized. Yeah, it's definitely overlooked, isn't it, when it comes to social media, that it's overlooked to the point where you're just putting stuff out there. And that's what people Mm -hmm. think about, oh, I'm just going to put this post out and I'm just going to do this story. But yeah, the community aspect of it is definitely overlooked. I totally agree. So it's important that you learn how to network online. And yeah, and then you can translate that into real life. That's fantastic. Continue. Yes. And the, (laughs) the thing that I was finding was that I was going to events because that is how I wanted to meet new people in Toronto who are also interested in being entrepreneurs or being involved um, like I am now with BIPOC TV and film, which is for uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color in the Canadian entertainment industry. And the events that that are focused on networking often skew towards people who are naturally extroverted or decide that they need to be extroverted like me to go to these events and and to actually like stand there and and talk to people who you don't know or it feels like everyone knows each other but what is usually happening is that people go to these events they see other people they know from work they talk to only the people they already Mm. know and then they say they went to the event and they (laughs) they eat the pizza and they look at the program and some people who are who are really extroverted raise their hand and say this is who i am and then the majority of people they're like yeah i went to an event and that's it and Mm. they don't actually do the connection so now uh we're in a global pandemic those events are not happening in the way that they used to they're happening online so this is a great time for specifically introverts but also extroverts who just don't know what to do with themselves because (laughs) the skills that they used to have to connect with all these people don't work in the same way online uh this is a great time to learn how to interact with people to to describe who you are in a way that fits the different platforms and different platforms are different opportunities for different people i am on various platforms but it's good for people who are just starting out and don't know where to 
where to go to pick a platform that they're already on and start interacting with people there, both people you know and people you don't, either by commenting or by DMing them um, in a polite manner, but actually trying things that are helpful, not to take the place of of face-to-face interaction, but to explore a different way that is as effective, if not more so, with the time that you have. Mm. So for example, this year I I hosted a table read of the first pilot script that I wrote. It's a tween sitcom. I had the table read with people that I did not know a year ago, and I had not met them in person at all, but they all showed up and and that was great. And now I have my table read and it's available on YouTube. But um, if I was depending on um, networking with these people in person at events and hoping to um, form a table read like that, then that wouldn't have happened. Right. So it was the online community building that you did that kind of brought everyone together virtually way more powerfully than it would have been uh, in person. That's yes. so interesting. So when you're looking at these online platforms, I guess you said to pick one. Um, I would say that, you know, looking at which one to pick, you you, you have to think about what you want to get out of that, right? So for LinkedIn, for example, if you want to start making career connections and, mm-hmm. I don't know, Instagram or something like that for to make friends, what do you think about that and the different platforms? How do you choose your one to, to focus your time on? I uh, would choose the one that you're already most familiar with so that it's easier for you to do networking in a, a mindful way. So before you may have decided I'm going to join Twitter because I've heard Twitter's cool. And then you start going on Twitter and, um, and maybe that's that sort of speed works for you. Then stick with Twitter. Maybe you've gone on Instagram because you see other people showing pictures or your favorite celebrities are there showing pictures of their lives. And then you connect with other people who, sh- who show similar interests and hashtags that you like. So for instance, sailing, if you're into sailing, there's ways to connect with other people who are also interested in sailing. Uh, if you have a specific goal in mind, like a career goal, LinkedIn is the place where people are going to be talking about their careers more. So that's a place where you'd want to go. And if you're on Facebook, um, that's, that is a place that has, I think, two different uh, aspects for me at this point in time. So Facebook is where Um, I am most connected with people who have come throughout my life. So from my middle school and, um, and high school teachers to, um, people that I have met through my writing class because of the second reason that a lot of groups in Canada, for some reason, really like Facebook. Mm. And and a lot of people are already there. Especially internationals. Yeah. The international yeah. groups on Facebook are like crazy huge. There's like 67,000 people in this group, like internationals <laughs> in Toronto or, you know, whatever you want to Google uh, to search in the, in the Facebook search bar. And then, yeah, the hashtags. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about hashtags. So if you're interested in sailing, do you just, you just search hashtag sailing in Instagram and then kind of go through people's posts? And, and find people that way. So yes, and that and it, you might find someone who's interested in sailing on Instagram, but on LinkedIn, they're interested in their accounting job. Mm. So they don't talk about sailing that much. But it is something to keep in mind when you're looking on different platforms for different type of people, because the ones who know how to use the platform to its maximum are going to put in their LinkedIn profile that they like sailing, or they like making sourdough, or they <laughs> like 
um, watching Battlescar Galactica because they know that that's going to help them stand out on LinkedIn. Whereas on Instagram, people who are into business but also like putting up pretty pictures will have hashtags like women entrepreneurs or um, digital marketing or uh, executive education so that they're capturing people who like the friendly aspect of it, but also want to do business. Wow, that is such an interesting point. And I don't do that. So that is like, that's got like a <laughs> light bulb going off in my head now where I'm thinking, oh my gosh, so I always segmented it, right? So like Instagram's like my fun personal life. But to have that hashtag, you know, even just like podcast host, I feel like then mm-hmm. people know that I have a podcast. And yeah, that's a really interesting point to kind of segue across all of your platforms, make sure they're linked in some way so that people can find you on Instagram because of your weekend hobby, but then also know more about you. And yeah, that's a really great point. It also helps to keep your picture consistent. Um, My picture isn't consistent on Twitter because I just like it to be different. Uh, But if you have the same picture, um, whether it's you or your logo uh, on each platform, then it helps people to connect you um, as that brand of you in their mind. Yeah, great tip. And so when you found your people online, and you've um, maybe reached out to them, how do you nurture that connection? You know, how? So first of all, how do you reach out to them? Is it you just cold, cold DMing people? What do you recommend? And then how do you nurture that once you've you've made that connection? It depends on what you're looking for at the moment. So in 2017, when I was particularly interested in trying to find a job at a college or university in Ontario, I cold called people. I cold, I didn't call them. I cold emailed them. And then we had a phone call. So, um, and it was a higher rate of return than I expected coming from Los Angeles because people in uh, Canada are more friendly. Not all of them respond to the emails, but I had a way better um, rate than expected. Uh, and that was because I was looking for something very specific. I was looking for admissions roles and marketing roles at colleges and universities in Ontario. So that is what I told the person I was interested in learning more about. And then um, that is the discussion that we had. Um, now, my interests have shifted. So I'm not necessarily looking for something specific. So I let people know that my goal for 2020 is to write in a writer's room of a sitcom or dramedy that is focused on a clever, funny female character. That's a completely different world than academia. Jobs aren't really posted in the same way. It's more like, I hope someone's series gets picked up and they think of me. (laughs) So it's more of a, um, let's talk about writing in your career and what you think I should be doing. It's definitely, it's less pressure and it's it, you don't have to have like that that script memorized of I've done this and therefore I'd be great for this role. Mm. So if you're looking for a specific type of job or you're looking for um, connections to a specific type of community, me right now, I'm also looking for more connections to black people in the Toronto area so that I can feel like a uh, part of that larger community, even though we're all spread out. Mm -hmm. Um, It's uh, not as hyper-focused. It's more casual. So just let people know, hey, this is what I'm looking for. And I actually do tell people, hey, I'd like more Black friends. Could you refer me? (laughs) Thanks. And then we'll have a casual conversation 
Well, yeah, because then you're planting the seed in that person. You never know what that could come from that. And I think that a lot, it comes down to that a lot, doesn't it? Where it's just the fear of, I don't know, rejection or, you know, nothing's going to happen. You can just put it out there in the universe, say it to somebody of of what you want or what you're looking for. Like, oh, I'd love to have more friends. Boom. You know, it's, there's really no negative to to putting it out and and telling people what what you're looking for. But there's a a huge part of fear that comes with that. Yes, the fears are, are sometimes warranted in that there is a lot of angst around networking and Mm -hmm. the feeling slimy or that (laughs) I should do it, but I don't want to because it's it's terrible and awkward. No one wants to hear from me and what I have to say and they're going to roll their eyes at my message and I'm not going to get a reply. And Yes, and the, the truth is that some people don't reply. There are people who are just overwhelmed with whatever they're doing. They're not open to building their network right now for whatever reason. And there are other people who are open and often say so. So so don't go in expecting that everything's going to be terrible or everyone is going to be eager to hear from you. Be open to the process and going through it because you'll learn more um, from it the first time you 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 leave a comment on someone's uh, on someone's LinkedIn post saying I like that idea and uh, and I really related to it because of this or you or you retweet someone's tweet and say this is exactly what I was thinking too and maybe something will come out of it maybe it won't but that's um, also why I'm working on my course so that the process isn't isn't like mystifying and I but I I liked someone's post why aren't we best friends (laughs) there's a specific process that you can go through to make uh to so that you're fishing in ponds with fish in them Mm. instead of fishing in ponds that have no fish in them and then you get mad and never want to fish again yeah and I think there's been a lot of false beliefs that have been instilled in us with the whole follower count and you know oh it means more if I have 10,000 followers it means more than you know having five very valuable strong connections it's completely bizarre to me um i'd much rather have five best friends than you know fifty thousand bots that aren't even real humans so it's it's adjusting to that whole social media aspect as well to to really make those connections rather than just like searching for those numbers of likes and and follows it's i think it's evolving now and it's great that you're putting together stuff like this because yeah it really shifts that mindset away from the the surface of it. It's hard when you are encouraged to make comparisons and people's follower numbers are right there for you and you see other people having all these followers. What do they do? And I'm like, (laughs) well, you need to live your own life and figure out what you want. And what I am personally focused on right now is not having the 10,000 follower mark that makes you a micro influencer. I'm focused on connecting with people so that I can become a billionaire mom, only <laughs> only 1 billion to go. And that's not going to come from having 10,000 people. It's going to come from probably connecting with the right 10 people and then going from there. Yeah. And so what have you learned um, putting this course together and, and, you know, really honing those skills and virtual networking when it all finally opens up again um, and we can start doing live events? What skills do you think 
you can translate across to that. You know, you said being an introvert in the room of a live networking event is very overwhelming and you're looking around and I've got, your, got my name on my sticker and I'm thinking, oh my God, no one cares about me. What am I going to say to this person? I'm going to comment on the pizza. Um, what tips can you give for, for the live setting? You should focus on your plan for the event before you get there. Uh-huh. So instead of getting there and saying, okay, I'm going to meet people, figure <laughs> out what um, part of an event you want to go to. So if it's, say, a two-day convention, figure out what breakout sessions you want to go to and focus on those instead of trying to be everywhere and do everything. If it's a three-hour event at um, at night, there are, there are often groups where the organizer has already made an established um, community, whether on LinkedIn or Facebook or possibly on Instagram or Twitter. And look at who says they're going to that event. Look who has gone to past events and let people know, I'm thinking of going to this event. What should I be looking out for? And and see for, see what people that you can identify to connect with before you get there so that you have your you feel more comfortable about being there and you know what you want to get out of it it's really easy to get overwhelmed and then leave at the end of the night and say i didn't meet anybody or i met 10 people and I don't really know why I want to hang out with them. (laughs) Yeah, they're all chefs and I'm an engineer. Like what happened? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's just about being way more efficient, isn't it? It's so simple now that you've said that, you know, do the prep work. I mean, I've turned up at networking events before and and then it's like, okay, go. And that's the starting point. But yeah, it makes so much sense to just make sure you've, you've put that time aside beforehand and found those people going back to the whole online thing. We have this amazing technology now. Why not find out who's going and reach out to them and pick out the ones that are, oh, she works in my industry. And yeah, that's amazing advice. Definitely. And so simple. <laughs> I would like to say that it's okay if you feel overwhelmed by the prospect of networking. There are a lot of success stories about networking. Like this person met this person at uh, at this bar and, oh, the Mariah Carey story. So I just learned about this, that she met Tommy Mottola at a at a party, they got married, and now she's Mariah Carey. Oh, <laughs> but the 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 part that isn't that isn't emphasized is that she was a great singer before she met Tommy Matola, and she was a great songwriter before that. And she didn't just meet some guy and and then bam, she's Mariah Carey. It's you do a lot of prep work so that you are ready for that opportunity. I, I mean, the opportunity was. It turned out well, and Tommy Mottola was not a great guy to Mariah. He apparently was terrible. But it's not that networking is going to be this magic bullet that is going to save you. Mm. It's a way to learn more about the opportunities that are available that you don't know about because you meet new people. And not every person you meet is going to be, boom, and yeah, you're a star. (laughs) It's cultivating um, the both the skill to network 
over time and nurturing your network to let them know, I'm here, I'm doing this, how can I help? Yeah, it's definitely a gradual process, isn't it? There's a lot of patience involved and perseverance. And um, yeah, there's definitely a huge pressure that's put on newcomers to Canada. That's a narrative that I always come across, you know, networking is key, networking, networking. It's the only important thing that you need to do as a newcomer in Canada for success. Like it's like no pressure or anything. So yeah, that's such a nice thing to say to just make sure that that we're grounded a bit and just know that it's not this amazing magical thing that you have to achieve and be successful at it's a slow process and as adults it's really hard to meet people and make friends you know we don't have school anymore and we don't have these and workplaces even 2020 I don't even go to the office and have a coffee chat with people anymore so it's definitely a challenging year and to move it online is is um yeah it's definitely an adaptation that we need to do um successfully but yeah take the pressure off and just do it at your own pace (laughs) give yourself grace because just uh just because you hear networking success stories you don't hear networking failure stories unless they're really bad and hilarious (laughs) so if you're just because you went to a party and you didn't meet the love of your life or your next boss that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you it just means you need to continue Um, building your network in ways that make sense for you because each person is an individual. So do you have any embarrassing stories about networking that you'd like to share? Ah, let's see. Uh, There, oh, there, (laughs) sorry that I forgot that has come to me now. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. I was at an event for, uh, for women in entertainment in general in Los Angeles and I was talking to one woman and then we, we, um, we had other things that we we wanted to do so we went and saw another person and then i was talking to a different woman and uh i was like oh this is a nice conversation and then i think that they're like oh we're about to have a presentation and this woman ran away from me (laughs) across the room not to talk to someone else but just so she wasn't talking to me anymore and i was like <laughs> she did the ejection seat. She was like, "Peace out, eject." She, she, it was it was so bizarre. I was like, I thought we were having. It's, I mean, she didn't even say like, "Oh, I'm gonna go talk to someone else." She just like ran ten feet away, wow. and I can still see you. <laughs> It's so hard not to take that personally as well. I mean, you just have to like dust yourself off. It was personal because there are people that that are looking for someone who can do something for them and are higher up than them. Uh, and I wasn't that person. I'm just a nice person who has lots of ideas. But um, yeah. but recognize that that's not about me and it's not about you. It is about people who um, want to climb up and you're not mm-hmm. a rung in the ladder that they want to be on. So let them go. Yes. Just watch them leave. That's fine. Move on. And that's a big problem that I, I've seen at networking events where there are there's this one person that everyone is waiting to talk to and it's crazy to me there's like people standing in silence next to each other (laughs) waiting to talk to that one guy that was a speaker who's like the ceo of whatever company and it's like you're wasting and you know 25 minutes standing waiting for your window to like grab this person and chat to him and i always i almost think that that connection is going to be 
less strong than if you talk to the person next to you in that line because mm-hmm. he is going to make you know so many connections that night because everyone wants to talk to him. So his connection with you is just one of so many, and you could be spending that twenty five minutes and talking to people that are on the same level as you or lower, and you just don't know what who people know and and what what that could come from. So yeah, I think that is very bizarre, and I've done that before, and I've I've made myself stop doing that because. Yeah, I think I've made way better connections with people that I just see standing by themselves than than trying to wait 25 minutes and talking to the keynote. So, yeah, it's interesting. It helps to either uh, send that person a message, either email or um, on one of the platforms uh, before the event, because you should know that they're going to be there. If you don't know they're going to be there, then um, send them a message afterward. And that is more effective than talking to them at the moment. Or you can just say, hi, I loved what you said. I am going to send you an email later because they will read that email the next day and be like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm less overwhelmed and meeting thousands of people at once. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. And uh, the main thing that I wanted to leave anybody who's listening to this, who most of the people are uh, specifically immigrants to Canada, is that it it is hard. And Mm -hmm. and there are things that are difficult. There are people who are that are experiencing lots of success in certain areas and then feeling blah in others. Like mm. I am feeling very happy about my health right now, but it is definitely hard to feel like you're building a community and mm. you're all like overwhelmed by a global pandemic. So if you're thinking about networking, know that there are, you can follow all the tips and that's fine, but you have to implement them in a way that makes sense for you. And if some things don't make sense for you, don't be mean to yourself, be kind to yourself and, um, and know that you are doing what makes the most sense for you, regardless of whatever advice we have to share. Networking is hard and it's okay if it makes you feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great way to end. Great way. So, what can people do to follow your journey and what you're doing? Where can we send them to learn more about your course and follow your follow you online? Tell us all of the links. Well, I am on Instagram, Melena's Guide to Life. The easiest way to find me is to type my name in the first part of my first name into Google. Almost everything about me will pop up. That's the benefit of a unique name. Yes. yes. You try being Kate Johnson. There's like a bajillion <laughs> Kate Johnsons on this planet. So, I, I'm yeah. sure I'm related to one. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, if, if you type my name, M-A-H-L-E-N-A, into Google, you'll find me. Uh, right. You can follow me on Instagram, and that's where my weekly video is. And I will have the course, How to Network with Melena Ray Johnson, completed this year. I'm working on it now, in addition to the many scripts that I'm working on, because I want to be a TV writer for real. Okay, and I've made a connection with you now, so you can get me on TV when it comes. <laughs> uh, hopefully that will happen a uh, someday. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, it was so great chatting to you, Melina. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a delight. Been a delight. And hopefully we can meet at a live networking event and we can actually put these tips into practice. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week. Bye.